Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another of our 1947 presentations of the Jack Benny Show and the Phil Harris Show from the exact same day that year. And then we also have, of course, we jump back to 1937 and get the 1937 episode. And uh, this this week is just such an interesting one for a number of reasons. Uh, the first reason is that uh, Phil's show from this week is missing and doesn't we don't have, I mean, nobody has it. It wasn't, I don't think it was actually created for this week. Uh, so, so we have Jack's show and then we have Phil's show from next week that I put in here, but I put it in here for a reason because it sure seems like the writers had written this show to be on this night, right? Because it, it ties into Jack's show. They both actually have the same title of the show. It's about um, uh, leaving, uh, getting ready to leave on a trip sort of thing. And uh, and and the and the show after this will also tie in a week off to the to the to the Jack Benny show. So it's good to get them actually linked up with the shows that they do link up with. And next week we'll even have Jack as a guest on Phil's show. So that should be a fun thing to look forward to. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time. And I think if I remember right, next week's Jack's a guest. But if it's the one I'm thinking about, Jack's only on. He's he's not like a Kitzel type bit on on the on the. Uh, on the show maybe two minutes or something that he's on there i think i think they're i want to say they're next week they'll be on the train and like jack phil runs into like opens the wrong berth and there's jack or something and then jack says a couple a, a little bit with him and then closes it and moves on and we never see jack again so uh but but it's it's fun with these early episodes and that's why i like to present them together with jack and phil in that they did a lot more playing with each other's shows than they did later on. Later on, they, they uh, eventually won't even mention each other's shows because uh, they're one on separate networks because right. right now they're, they're would... on the same network for a while and then they end up on separate networks. And then they even have it where Phil eventually leaves Jack's show and the characters that have the names from Jack's show on Phil's show, are the names are changed. I mean, Frank... Uh, Frankie Remley changes the name to Elliot Lewis because they don't even want him to mention the name uh, on the show. So it, they become almost animosity sort of happens between the two in a way eventually. But right now they're, they're tight together. And uh, I, I would think Phil's just like in seventh heaven because it's like Jack not only let him do his show, and said, yeah, go ahead and do your own show. You can also do it right after my show. So take my audience right into yours. And Phil, in every interview I've ever heard Phil talk about it, he's always thankful to Jack that that happened. And it made it where he had to leave Jack's show like 15 minutes early to be able to get over to his show, warm up his audience and, and get going into his show. So for us as fans of Jack's show, it's a little bit of a detriment to Jack's show that they that they did it this way. I almost wish they wouldn't have so that we could have had Phil appear for a whole 30 minutes on Jack's show every week. And then Jack and then Phil just did his show on a different night. Would have been like Dennis. I mean Dennis, we don't notice ever that Dennis has his own show. I mean it's mentioned, but it's not like it impacts Jack's show in any any way. Um anyway, so um oh and and I forgot to mention our last one we we did one on uh 
uh, last week we were doing the egg and I, and as they were doing the egg and I at the very end of it, uh, Phil's hair, Phil's character is Zeke. And they say, all of a sudden, Jack says, where's Zeke? And, and, uh, Dennis says, I just love Dennis's line. Dennis says, uh, oh, he had to go, um, he had to go do his, he had to go do his own show. He's got his own show, joking that Zeke has his own show when it's really Phil Harris, of course, has his own show. And then Dennis says, but I'm good until Wednesday to be here. So (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great because, of course, Dennis's show is on Wednesdays. So uh, what a fun, fun little, I I just love that inside humor sort of thing that they can play off of each other's shows. Anyway, going with this one, uh, this, of course, has the Coleman's on it. We love the Coleman's whenever they're on one of Jack's episodes. Um, let's just go around and just talk about the Coleman's and you can mention this episode specifically, or just the Coleman's in generally and what you, you kind of, how, how much of an impression you think they have on the show or and whatever. Kathy, you go first. What, what, oh, what do you think about the Coleman's? Well, just in general, the, um, having the Coleman's, uh, beat characters on the, uh, uh, eventually returning characters on the Benny show. It's just a genius move. It's one of the smartest things they ever did because um, Ronald Coleman's sort of pretentiousness as a, a British actor who, who has a, his own huge ego yes. and can um, uh, uh, summon all that uh, disdain of Hollywood against Jack Benny is just, is so funny. And then um, uh, the brilliance of uh, his wife, uh, uh, Benita, yes. uh, uh, who uh, had really had to take, her career in Hollywood had been virtually nothing. Right. And so here she was an accomplished actress. And for her to be this delightful comedian who can work between the two, um, it's, it's just a, a, what makes this post-war era of Benny's show so brilliant are the the happy happenstances of this stuff coming together. And I just wanted to mention of this particular episode, what a a brilliant example of Jack and his writers being able to take a good joke, a recurring joke, and and then put it into the mouths of other characters. Because in this one, um, Rochester gets to sing several choruses of That's What I Like About the South while he's packing up uh, uh, Jack's clothes. And the Coleman's, I believe, this is the episode they end up riding, having to ride in the in the uh, in the Maxwell, don't they? As I said, yes, so they yes, get to yes. com- complain bitterly about the car. So the show almost wrote its own jokes. You add the characters and shake them like a Yahtzee, you know, yeah, can right. and and they're you know. So that's and then exactly it makes what I was thinking too. Fun. It's like it's like as soon as you say. Oh, they're going to be in the Maxwell. You're like, oh, we can do 20 minutes on that. I mean, you know, I mean <laughs> it's so easy, and they do more of the, <clears throat> the 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 one of the biggest jokes that they always do with the Coleman's are, oh, Jack borrowed that, and Jack borrowed the next yes. thing, and Jack, and they really play that up in this one too. That everything that Ronald sort of needs or wants is gone because Jack has has borrowed it and and uh, so that's that's and and it, and it, and that does remind me about how these are radio jokes that the um visual specificity of television none of this stuff would work no and so uh, I but I take it for granted enjoying to listen to the uh, uh to the radio show it it I have to stop and think oh you couldn't do that on television yep. oh you couldn't do that on television so uh, well and I just feel we're so lucky <clears throat> that the Coleman's appeared on Jack's TV show only once because right. unfortunately Ronald Coleman would pass away 
fairly quickly after that. But I'm glad that they had that at least one appearance on his TV show that we can refer back to and things. I don't think we've ever presented it. I'm not sure if we actually did that one or not. No, I don't, think, I don't so. think so. So at some point we'll we'll definitely do that show because I just think it they're so their legacy is so important to Jack. The other thing I was going to mention with with the Coleman's, but it's not just Coleman specific. It's it lots of things that Jack show is you you could have the Coleman's come on the very first time, you know, back in I think it was 45 that they appeared the first time, 45, 46, sometime in there. So we're still fairly early in their appearances in 47. Um, but you could have appeared once and go, wow, we well, made a really good show. They were great guests. That was really cool. And and just move on and never come back to them, right? Jack's writers and Jack himself were so good at going, oh, that can be a recurring thing. That can be something where let's ask them if they can keep coming back. Let's, and and so often that not much gets laid on the floor when 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 every once in a while you'll have an episode where they introduce some cool thing and you go, boy, that would be neat, but I've never heard that again. And yeah. and it becomes just a one-off. But majority of the time, if there's a really solid performance by any actor, by any anything, they bring that back over and over again and and sometimes too much but but i'd rather have it fault sure. that way than the other way and, and not having and the interesting it. and an interesting footnote is that ronald coleman didn't want to do this they had to do so much persuading his head had his ego had gotten so big by right. that point that and he's going oh no i can't do comic you know i mean right. oh i can't lower myself to oh no they'll make me ridiculous and it took a whole lot of this i have from his daughter's um uh biography of him that it took a whole lot of uh convincing from agents and from benita to get him to do it and eventually he would get kind of jealous of all the laughs that benita would get i mean he wow totally needed to be wow. that big guy so, well and, yeah. and for him and for benita it gave them a whole nother dimension to their career right. their later career yeah. because it would eventually lead them to get their own series on the halls of ivy which ran for many years and was a very successful show in of itself. And, and there are lots of uh, episodes available out there. So if people want to check out Halls of Ivy, it's a fun thing to get a little more into their characters and kind of a almost a dramedy sort of thing for the mm -hmm. time, which was really interesting of them working at a college and that sort of thing. And um, definitely comedy elements in it and, and mostly, you know, a large amount of the comedy, but some of it, they dealt with a, a few more issues that were serious issues and things throughout the, the, the episodes as well. John, go ahead. I wonder if there is any insecurity with Ronald Coleman about doing comedy also, because I know at one point uh, they wanted Ronald Coleman to fill in for Jack when Jack was sick, that, you know, mm -hmm. that one year where Jack was sick oh, yeah. for several episodes, yeah. they uh, I, they wanted Ronald Coleman to fill in, but he was going to and then bowed out at the last minute and they got Herbert Marshall to come in instead, mm -hmm. a sort of Ronald Coleman-esque type yes. person. So I wonder if not only it was his ego, which it probably was too, because he was a big star, but also maybe like, can I even do comedy right. kind of thing? You know, can I do it? Can I sustain a whole show as a replacement sure. for Jack? Well, that's amazing too that that, that happened 
you would think that something like that would happen and you'd go, okay, we're not going to try for Coleman again or we'll move on <laughs> to the other things. But to to have that happen and then come back and really try and reach out to Coleman and then get him involved again in the Jack Benny show shows something as well. You know, he, he, he might have used, maybe he was on a film shoot, you know, because he was still making movies. So, uh, yeah, that's a no. that's a good question. I'll have to go do some research. See what yeah, I can. Yeah, and I want. Do you guys know uh, wh where the neighbor thing came from? Because the fact that Ronald Coleman is Jack Benny's neighbor is the greatest idea that they've had yes. in the yeah. whole series. And I feel like maybe they were even referring to that before he ever came on the show, just as sort of a yes. joke. Where it's yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so like were, first they, they just joke that Ronald Coleman is his yes. neighbor. And then they bring him on to play that Which role. Which makes sense. Then that, that's why they kept on him because you couldn't change. He, he'd already been joked about it, that right. was his neighbor. And so it's like, oh, well, we got to get Coleman. We can't get somebody else and, and say, oh, they moved into Coleman's house. <laughs> so I, I guess you could have. Yeah, no, I agree. And, yeah. uh, and it, it, it's great that like you can have Ronald and Benita on five consecutive episodes and it'll be great. Or you can miss them for two years, and then they'll come back and do yeah. one episode, and it's still great, and it, and it's not forgotten. And so yeah. I think that's one of the the fun things about it is, you know, you never know when they're going to pop up. Right. Well, and I think it's so important for the Jack Benny home life piece of these episodes, in that he always had he and Rochester at home and things. But it adds a whole other dimension to Rochester and to Jack and their home life in that we get to meet their neighbors and, and they interact. And the fact that they always uh, call Rochester. Uh, Manchester. Manchester. That's it. Manchester. I love that. And uh, what just, just delightful their interactions with both Jack and Rochester. And there's a, there's kind of a, uh, what, a respect that you hear when they talk about Manchester and, and how much yeah. they, it, it's, it's, it's neat. Cause with Jack, it's definitely derision. Just they do not like Jack and do not that Jack, Jack causes them all kinds of issues, but Manchester who's Rochester uh, is not that and, and is, and is helpful to them and, and they, they respect him and are kind. And, and it's just kind of uh, again, puts pressure on that whole, uh, Benny Rochester thing of as saying, well, really Rochester is probably the smarter and better of the two, however you want to look at it. And so, it, which is a whole flip on the, on the racial dynamic between the two and uh, which I love and, and uh, needs to, people need to recognize that because just like we've had Eddie, uh, his son on here to talk about it. Um, sometimes it just gets stereotyped into, Oh, uh, Rochester is Jack's servant and it's like no it's more than that it's it's he, as a person he he is portrayed as this deep um, individual who who is very intelligent and and uh, it's a wonderful portrayal so anyway and this adds to that all right let's, let's go back before we run out of time I, I wanted to you know add on to what you were saying about the Phil Harris show because I yeah. agree that the the, these episodes where they're tying in with the Jack Benny show mm -hmm. are the greatest. And, uh, you, you know, you can tell they're excited about this uh, this program. Mm -hmm. And I love the references back and forth uh, between the Jack Benny show and the Phil Harris show. And in this one, I thought it was, it was such a great callback. A couple episodes ago, 
uh, Jack Benny does a joke that flops. Mm -hmm. He says, Phil, I need you like a moose needs a hat rack. Right. Doesn't get a doesn't get a response. And so, Jack's referred to it on his own show a number of times now, even right. on this episode. I think every episode so far since then, he's referred to it. But go ahead, keep going. Exactly. And so now here on the Phil Harris Alice Faye show, uh, Alice does a reference to that uh, that joke on this program, which is hilarious. So yeah, it's, and that's it's, why we want to present them the way we do because uh -huh. if you don't listen to them kind of like we present them that joke would slide you wouldn't realize what that's referencing and now but if you've listened to these last number of weeks for you you're going you get a payoff but not even on jack's show on phil's show you get a payoff <laughs> to a joke on jack's show which is absolutely insane to think that somebody would do that and and, it, and it's brilliant and it works so well because they knew Almost everybody listening to Jack's show was also listening to Phil's show. Phil's show was very popular, and it followed Jack's show, so it makes complete sense that they can play around as much as they want with Jack's show on Phil's show, and they're not going to, like, have their audience going, what are they talking about, or I didn't catch that, or I didn't... Because, you know, Phil's audience, essentially, is probably pretty much a subset of Jack's. I mean, Jack has however many millions and millions of people listening to his show and phil has it phil's entire audience comes from jack but he probably loses some right and and so yeah. his show is not quite as popular as jack's but uh, but yeah so so he completely has all those references jack's ever made that he can grab onto and use um and it's delightful that he does and i'm glad they do Go and i gotta say i love phil harris and alice faye's songs i yes. actually even like them better than dennis's songs yes and you I do can too. tell it at this point they sort of give up the the pretenses already like of yeah. uh, let's find a way where they can in the show have an excuse to sing the song and now they've started to just take a break from the show sing a song and then come back to the show yes. which yes. is fine i think that's fine and sometimes they still will weave them in when they can uh -huh. but they don't knock themselves out trying to figure it out because with with dennis one, it's a conceit of Jack and Jack's writers to always try and figure out a way to, to weave it in, no matter how questionable it is, because yeah. it's one song. But when you're doing it for two people in, in one episode, it's a lot of work to go, okay, how are we going to get them both to be singing? It's just like, no, it's time for her song, it's time for his song. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, Kathy, you were saying, you know, listening to the Jack Benny show, you can see how it's designed for radio. I think the same is true with this episode of the Phil Harris show. There's this thing about him going, is sort of a spoiler, but not really. He, he's going to go swimming and then he's going to end up losing all of his clothes. Yeah. And so he has to wear Alice's clothes. <laughs> and, you know, you watch something like Charlie's Aunt where Jack Benny dresses up yeah. as a woman. Yeah. It's funny, but if you don't see it and you just hear it and you imagine your imagination is even more funny and ridiculous and hilarious than anything you could have actually seen if you actually saw him in the negligee or whatever right. it wouldn't be as funny as just knowing that or he's a few in weeks ago, and him in the bunny reactions. suit and stuff was also the same sort of thing where you can visualize it so clearly as to what's going on and and uh, it would just never work that well for live audiences so yeah. that's what's so great about radio and that's why we love radio so much is they can do these outlandish things that you could not visualize how that's even going to work on a television program 
or that he'd get by the censors on a television program yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what a delightful show. And then uh, the other thing that we uh, we we mentioned uh, certainly Pat Buttram and last week's episode. I think he's on this week's episode too. I'm pretty sure. Definitely. Um, but I love what he brings to the show. Certainly, the Julius Abruzio character brings a lot to the show that I enjoy. Uh, uh, Frank Gremley is becomes half the show eventually. I mean, it, at this point, he's a strong, strong character. But he's still a character, and then, uh, and then the daughters are just so delightful whenever they're and in these. And I really enjoy this season because it plays up the daughters more than they will in future seasons because like I say it becomes essentially the Phil Harris and Frank Remley show with everybody else being sharing a little bit of the spotlight in the background but in this season it's more a uh, ensemble piece around Phil and I and I just love that and and all the different um, folks and and I think it gets short shrift just because these episodes didn't exist for so many years and people didn't realize what they were like um, we had maybe the, of the first, I, I don't even think we had the last, any of the last like 16, 17 episodes of the season. It was all the beginning of the season we had. And what we had from the beginning of the season, one, the sound quality wasn't good. And two, we were missing a lot of the episodes. I think we had maybe uh, 10 of the first 16 episodes or something that we could listen to historically. And it, they were just trying to find their way. In this second half of the season, they really did find their way, and and it's a delightful listen. I mean, for instance, I the whole Pat Buttram thing. I didn't. I never knew he was on the show because the first six, t ten episodes, whatever existed, I don't think he's in any of those. I think he doesn't start until the last later half of the season, and so it's just delightful surprise to go. Oh, here's a regular that I never knew was a regular on the Phil Harris show ever. And it's just uh, wonderful to hear his little pieces. So love these. So if you haven't been like sticking around after the Jack Benny show to listen to or watch the Phil Harris show, if you're on YouTube, um, it's it's definitely worth your time to do that. Yeah, and then I, also I agree. And catch I, the I, I really love the the daughter segments. And yes. that's another thing where it's sort of a, a tie-in and back and sort of a continuation of the Jack Benny program because there was a a time when the one daughter would call in on the phone and she would say, yeah. oh, is hot shot there talking yes. about Phil? And so those segments are continued here. She still calls him hot shot at this point. And uh, yeah, those are my favorite parts. I agree. And, and for family entertainment, I mean, I've, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. My wife, my kids, when we be on a vacation or whatever, and they know that when I, whoever's driving gets to pick what everybody's listening to, right? And so I'd be driving at the time, and they'd know I was going to be driving, and they're like, "Can we listen to Phil Harris show?" And you know, oh. instead of the Jack Benny, they love oh. the Phil Harris show, and so I would play them the Phil Harris show as we were driving along, and I think they loved that the kids in it were kind of their ages or close to thereabouts and so they would enjoy the kids and they enjoyed the situations they were more of a family situation often that they ran into and, and they enjoyed the Julius Bruzio character who again felt like he was someone that they could relate to that was close to their age or whatever and uh, even though the actor may not have been at the time but still acted like he was so uh yeah they're j and my wife loved those episodes too so th those will always be great memories I have of the Phil Harris show and us going across country and listening to them as we're driving along. But uh, 
for any family, well worthwhile listening to these wonderful episodes. Uh, and then uh, the 37, again, uh, Andy Devine's in there, uh, just a, a fun episode altogether. Um, and I don't know if anybody else has anything to share about the 37s or anything. I love the looseness of the 37s. I love that, uh, I, I think I said recently, but I never know what I've said and what I haven't said. So I'll just go with this one. But that uh, a lot of folks have been commenting, we've been having some dialogue back and forth about the 37s versus the 47s. And the thing that comes out with the 37s is people just say there's a kind of an intimacy or a, a, a looseness to them that just, invite you in and make you feel like, oh, we're just part of this fun little get together and they're putting on kind of a show for us, but we're, we're, we're more like there as the audience or whatever, whereas the 47s are, are more polished and more like, okay, this is a, we're, we're presenting to, it's a presentation in, instead yeah. of a, uh, something that invites you in as much. And so uh, it's wonderful. It's polished. We, people love the 47s. I love the 47s. They're hilarious. There's more, probably more laugh out loud moments. But there's a little less of that looseness to them that, that there is in the 37s. Kathy, would you kind of agree with that? No, I, that's that's such a great point, Daryl. Yeah. And you can even see it in the few pictures of how they broadcast the show. Um, the, th the 37 ones, the Jello years I've seen are on a much smaller stage, mm -hmm. whereas the um, uh, Lucky Strike years are on a much, you huge know, sort of stage, bigger, yes. a, a, a huge stage and yes. sort of invites with a bigger sounding orchestra right. and really sort of invites that, hey, we're a big show now. So that's a great well, And I think too, just, just the physicalness. I mean, just instead of being like, like, uh, like you see on the Jello years that usually have two actors that are acting on a scene pretty much, right? And those two actors would be within, I don't know, five feet apart at most, yep. it'd be like maybe four feet or three feet apart. On the, uh, uh, when they go to, to the Lucky Strike, all of a sudden it looks like they must be at least 12 feet apart, 15 mm -hmm. feet apart. That's gonna take away a little bit of that intimacy of, of acting off of each other because you're so far away from each other. <laughs> and then Jack doesn't have the best vision to begin with, I don't think, because he's got those big glasses. I don't know if he can see the person. <laughs> I mean, because I think of myself, my vision's not so great. So if somebody was at the other microphone, I'd go, it'd be a little blurry and I'd be like, is that Phil? Or is that, you know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, that's why but... whenever he talks, he says, oh, Phil! Oh, Phil. <laughs> he's just figuring it out. He doesn't remember it's going to be. That's right. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you enjoy all three of these. Just a wonderful set of shows. Remember, of course, on YouTube, I synced the script to the original script and, and uh, the show, so you get a chance to watch it and wow. read along with That's the script as, as I do that. Some people are just loving that. I'm getting so many great compliments on doing that. We'll keep on doing it. I, I keep streamlining it more and more. And, uh, I, I think I did the last one in maybe like 15 or 20 minutes. So it's not too bad. I can sit down there and just kind of oh, fast forward through and go. And but you're, you're doing a great service to Benny fandom. Thank you. So. Oh, you're so welcome. It's just, these scripts are out there and, and it's like, who ever gets a chance to look at them And this way you get a look at it while you're listening to this show, you might as well. And, uh, and it's just kind of fun to see. And it gives you a, what, what it makes me respect more than anything. Well, the performers because they're doing such a great job of bringing those words to life but also it makes me get a new respect of the writers and just how much the writer this is i don't know somehow you get this feeling when you when you listen to the jack benny show or something that 
oh, it's these characters I love and they're so funny together and everything and, and, they're, and they're almost like ad-libbing the whole show and they're yeah. not. It's all written, it's on the page. If it's not on the page, it's not on the stage, you know, sort of thing. And this really makes you see that, really makes you go, oh, okay, I see how they're writing this. And I see some of the bits you look at it in, in the written form and you go, okay, I can see how that's funny, but how would I do it? And then you hear the actor do, do it and, and it's like, oh my gosh, they added such another level to the writing by, by just the actor's interpretation of, of how to do that piece, especially with the Rochester pieces. Man, he, if, if he was to say them differently than he does, the lines would, a lot of them would just fall flat. But the fact that he says them with such great inflection and some, just the things he approaches, it's wonderful. So anyway, enjoy and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Have a great week, everybody. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Here's what independent tobacco experts say about the fine tobacco bought by the makers of Lucky Strike. Believe me, that tobacco is ripe, smooth, and mild. Tobacco you just can't beat for real smoking quality. Garland Tilly, 25 years, an independent tobacco buyer, said that. Fine, mellow tobacco that tastes good and smokes good. I've smoked Lucky's for 29 years. Dewey Huffines, top flight tobacco auctioneer, said that. Yes, season after season, at auction after auction, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. So for your own real deep down smoking enjoyment, remember... LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday, immediately after the broadcast, Jack Benny and his gang leave for the East to fulfill vaudeville engagements in Chicago and New York. So let's go out to Beverly Hills where we find Mary and Rochester helping Jack prepare for the big event. Gosh, Mary, isn't it exciting? Next Sunday we'll be on that train. A few days later we'll be on the stage at the Chicago Theater. You know, Jack, playing vaudeville is going to be a lot different from radio. You said it. I brought a couple of dresses over so you can tell me which one you think will look best. Good. Here. How do you like this one? Well, I don't know. It doesn't look bad, and I like the puff sleeves. But I think the neck is cut much too low. That's the back. Oh. So hard to tell when it's empty. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see the other dress, Mary. Okay. Uh, how about this one? It has a rainbow sash, a peekaboo waist, and I... No, no, don't bother, Mary. I've changed my mind. I'll wear a tuxedo. <laughs> I mean, that stuff doesn't get laughs anymore, you know. But you know, Mary, it's going to be fun getting back on the stage again. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Did you hear what Fred Allen said about you last week? No, no, Mary. What did he say? Well, he said...
he said that? <laughs> well... <laughs> Not only that, Jack. What? He said that you killed Vaudeville. Now you're returning to the scene of the crime. <laughs> Certainly I killed Vaudeville. After the way Alan made it suffer, what I did was an act of mercy. <laughs> Alan, Alan, thinks he's so smart since they made him a vice president. <laughs> anyway, in spite of what Alan says, when we get to Chicago Theater, we're going to have a terrific show. Uh, which reminds me, Rochester... Did you buy the new strings for my violin like I told you to? Uh-huh. I couldn't decide whether to get you the wire strings or the gut strings. Well, why didn't you ask the man? I did, and he said, take shoelaces. Nobody will know the difference. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. I mean, how can I get music out of laces? You can play Shoo Shoo Baby by Florsheim. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Livy, paint your eyes red. You're another Phil Harris. <laughs> Mary, stop clowning. I got to think about the show I'm going to do in Chicago. Gee, it's going to be sensational. I can just see it now. The band plays. Thank you, Rochester. Then I, um, then I step out on the stage into a big spotlight and take my first bow, like this. Jack, that's no bow. You have to bend from the waist. You mean like this? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, my back. Come on, Jack, try it again. Get your head lower. Mary, I can't bend down any further. Let's tie his hands behind his back and put a dollar bill on the floor. <laughs> Never mind, Jack. You can practice bowing later. Straighten up now. Okay. <clears throat> Ooh, gee, it isn't like it used to be in Vaudeville. Yeah, I... I can't straighten up. I, I mean, I can't stay bent over like this. Rochester, don't stand there. Do something. I'm thinking, boss. I'm thinking. I got it. What? As long as you're in that position, let's go upstairs and bring down the trunk. <laughs> well, cut that out. Mary, this is all your fault. There, I'm all right now. Come in. Hello, everybody. Hello, Dennis. Oh, hello, kid. Hey, you should have been here a couple of seconds ago, Dennis. I was bent over and I couldn't straighten up. Gee, that happened to my father once. He bent down to lift something and he couldn't straighten up again. Why, well, 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 what did he do? <laughs> or what did well, well, you well, do, rather? Well, 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 my mother tied his head to the radiator and his feet to the bed. Yeah? And then she took her arms and pushed down on him and pushed and pushed, when all of a sudden, boing! <laughs> Gee. Vertebrae flew in all directions. <laughs> well, look, kid, I'm getting ready to do a stage show, and I want to get my act in shape. Have you got any ideas? Well, last summer I wanted to give my voice a rest, so I formed an adagio act, and I went on the road. Dennis, you did an adagio act? Yeah, but I had to give it up. Well, you weren't strong enough, huh? Oh, I was plenty strong. I'd take the girl, whirl her around my head, and then throw her. The first time she broke her arm. Then she broke her leg, and then she broke her nose. I felt awful about it. Well, that doesn't sound like your fault, Dennis. Maybe when you threw her, the other fellow didn't catch her right. Oh, other fellow. <laughs> Mary, stop looking at him like that. He's only a kid. Say, 
Hey, Jack. What? Rochester is so anxious to go on the stage with you. Why don't you let him do a song? Hey, that might be a pretty good idea. How about it, Rochester? Oh, boss, forget it. No, no, Rochester, don't be bashful. Now, come on. I mean, you might be swell on the stage. Come on. Let's hear you sing a song. Maybe we can put it in the show, huh? Okay. Go ahead. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old man. She's fine. And That's what I like about the song. There you make no, no, no not that number, Rochester. No, there's a never shake. Oh, Rochester, not that number. Like Rochester, that's Phil's song. Did you hear the place called Leo? I did it. Rochester, look, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's what I like about the song. Wait a minute. She's got that booze and butter. Wait a minute. Dennis, if anybody sings around here, I'd rather it be you. Now, come on, let's have it. Oh, 
Very, very good, Dennis. That's a nice song. Say, boss, don't you think there's a place for me to sing a song on your stage show? No, no, Rochester. When we're in the theater, I want you to do just the part I gave you. Have you been rehearsing it? Yeah, all week. Well, let's hear it. Peanuts, popcorn, and candy. <laughs> Peanuts, popcorn, and walking and peanuts. <laughs> very good, Rochester. Very good. Remember what I told you. Never change a $5 bill unless you take it out to the light. You remember? <laughs> Mr. Benny, what are you going to do on the show? Oh, I'm going to do everything, kid. You know, master of ceremonies, a solo on the violin. And for the first time in my career, I'm going to do a tap dance. One of those old-fashioned tap dances where you put sand on the floor. Oh, Jack, that's corny. It is not. Rochester, where's that little box of sand? There, there. Now, dump it on the floor. Yes, sir. Now, I'll practice my tap dance. Dennis... Uh, help me out by humming Swanee River, will you? Oh, okay. Da 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 dee da 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 Fred Astaire should see me. Come in! Hiya, Jackson. Hello, kids. Phil, come on in here. Yeah, what are you doing, Jackson? Kind of looking over some of the old routines, huh? So we can... Holy smoke, who put that sand on the floor? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Phil. Let us help you up. No, no, Jackson. Phil, let us pick you up. It won't be the first time. <laughs> Come on. Leave me alone. I'll do it myself. The last time somebody helped me up, they bumped my head on the curb. All right, have it your own way. Anyway, I'm busy rehearsing for the show, you know. Say, Jack, when do we arrive in Chicago? Watch for the day, the 7th of May. And our show opens at the Chicago Theater on the 9th. Now, Phil, Phil, have you thought about your act for the stage show? Don't worry about me, Jackson. Don't worry. After the dull stuff you're going to do, I'll walk out and throw that Harris smile on them and melt the butter on their popcorn. Huh? And then I'll hit them with 30 or 40 courses of That's What I Like About the South. 30 or 40 choruses? Well, I haven't got time to give it all to them. <laughs> Bill, you wouldn't have the nerve to walk out in front of an audience and sing that song. He wouldn't, eh? What about the time he went to Tommy Manville's wedding and sang Thanks for the Memory? <laughs> I guess you're right, Mary. You can say what you like, Livy, but I know what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, when I play a theater, I make them take the bulbs out of the marquee and put my picture up there. Your picture? Why don't you let them put your name up there? I don't trust nobody. How do I know what they're spelling? <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. I never thought of that. You know something, Jackson? I got to get that billing that I deserve. I'm a great comedian. Oh, fine. Some great comedian. He's got two shows on NBC, and he hasn't been cut off the air once. <laughs> you know, I need you like a moose needs a hat rack. <laughs> I can't understand why that didn't get a laugh. Three weeks I've been doing it. It's never gotten away. Norman Krasner loves it. I... Anyway, kids, it'll be a lot of fun going to... Be a lot of fun going to Chicago and New York, but I'm going to miss the gang here in Beverly Hills. You know, all my friends and the, the Ronald Coleman's next door. Incidentally, they're coming to our broadcast today. I sent them two tickets. I'm here in the library, Benita. Oh, there you are. What are you doing? Just reading. 
Ah, this is marvelous. Just wonderful. And so true, too. Oh, put away those reviews on the late George Apley. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling, but, but I haven't read them yet today. Oh, darling, I meant to tell you Mr. Benny was over and he left a pair of tickets for us for his broadcast. Look, I wouldn't go to Benny's broadcast if I were the guest star. <laughs> By the way, when did he leave the tickets? When he borrowed your full dress suit. <laughs> My full dress suit? When will that man stop? Next thing we know, he'll be wanting to borrow our piano. Oh, Ronnie, look in the living room. <laughs> no, no, this is too much. That man drives me mad. If he hadn't borrowed my razor, I'd go upstairs and cut my throat. <laughs> oh, no, please don't. He's got our band-aids, too. <laughs> uh, how do you like that? Well, well, calm down, calm down. We will have a bit of a vacation soon. Mr. Benny's going away on a vaudeville tour. Vaudeville tour? Well, what in the world could Benny do on the stage? Play the violin, I suppose. What, you mean that, that people will pay money to hear Benny play the violin? <laughs> yes. Huh. Say, Benita, let's you and I go out and join Spike Jones. <laughs> Don't be so silly. Uh, darling, pass me an apple, will you? I feel a bit hungry. Here you are. Thank you. You know, in his vaudeville act, Mr. Benny will have Manchester and also Mr. Harris. Uh, Phil Harris? Uh-huh. Benita, have you ever seen any of Phil Harris's musicians? <laughs> Please, Ronnie, I'm eating. <laughs> experiences since we moved here. You remember the, remember the afternoon when we thought there was an eclipse and then we found that Don Wilson had walked between our house and the sun? <laughs> oh, yes. oh, what strange people. Oh, and darling, I meant to ask you about Dennis Day. Is he really Irish? Irish? <laughs> he thinks that when you die, you go to Dlucamora and Barry Fitzgerald lets you in. <laughs> normal person in the whole crew. There is? Yes. Well, haven't you ever noticed Mary Livingston? <laughs> <laughs> well, my dear, you, you've got to admit that Miss Livingston is pretty, and when she stands alongside of one of the... I'll get it. Hello? Oh, Jack Benny, we, we were just talking about you. Yes, I, I know we have tickets to your broadcast today, but I'm afraid we were... Yeah, I realize that, Jack, but I... I... I know, Jack, but, 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 
But, well, well, that's all very well, Jack, but it just so happens that today we thought we'd stay at home. Well, Ronnie, you know I hate to brag, but all of my programs have been very good, and today's going to be one of the best, and you're lucky to be able to get some tickets because it's very hard to get. If you don't want them, there'll be plenty of other customers. I mean, people will be glad to use the tickets, so I won't take no for an answer, Ronnie. I'll even drive you down to my cars. We'll be ready in five minutes. Goodbye. <laughs> Well, kids, we're going to have some very famous people in our audience today, Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman, and they insist that I drive them to the studio. Rochester, get the car ready. Don't you want me to shave you first? No, no, I've already shaved. How come so early, boss? Well, now that daylight saving time is here, I get my five o'clock shadow at four. <laughs> now, look, kids, today, let's try to do the best show we ever oh, did. Oh, Jack, stop worrying. Don. Don, what are you doing here? My quartet, too. Aren't you, aren't you supposed to be down at the studio rehearsing? Why, yes, Jack, but we've got an idea for your stage show that I think will be wonderful, won't it, fellas? <laughs> you mean for the quartet? Yes. You remember that old song, Chloe? You mean they have an arrangement of Chloe? Well, come on, Don, let's hear it. All right, take it, boys. What is more, free and easy on the draw. Oh, L-S-M-N-T. I gotta go where you are. L-S-M-N-T. No matter how near or far, I'm wrong through the big plantation. Where you grow, let me grow there too. LSMMT, I gotta go where you are. For no place could be too far. I go by car, smoke and find tobacco. Fine, Don. We'll try and use it in our show. Well, kids, we better be, we better get going to the studio now. I gotta pick up the Coleman. Well, I can take the sportsman and Dennis in my car. Good, good. Mary, you come with me. Jack, Jack, please hurry. Benita and I are waiting. <laughs> oh, Ronnie, I'll be right. Dennis, stop! <laughs> now let's get going. Come on, Rochester, get the car. Benita, riding in this car is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. 
I know how you feel. Look at all that dirt on the floor. I don't mind the dirt, but the weeds are so high. <laughs> Do you want to change places with me? I can't. My pants are caught on the springs. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm glad we're going down this side street so nobody sees us. Are you folks comfortable back there? Oh, I'm fine. Well, frankly, I find it a little drafty. Drafty? Well, we'll fix that. <laughs> Rochester, Rochester, stop the car and put up the curtains. Yes, sir. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't bother. It'll be all right. Are you comfortable, Jack? Sure, why? I thought you'd be a little cramped up there with the meter. <laughs> oh, stop with that. Uh, say, Jack, is this an English car? An English car? Yeah, I notice the steering wheel is on the right. Oh, no, no, it, it's just bent that way. <laughs> oh, I see an accident on Hollywood Boulevard. No, a struggle on Mulholland Drive. <laughs> Rochester. Now, don't drive so fast because... Oh, look, look, there's Greer Garson. Hello, Greer. Look, she's waving at us. How are you, Greer? Goodbye, goodbye, Greer. Benita, you and Ronnie can sit up again. We've passed her. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Jack, do we have to go so fast? There's an awful wind back here. There is? Yes, uh, Benita, it's lucky you brought your muff with you. My muff? Yes, right there on your arm. Uh, oh, yeah, Mr. Penny, this must have blown off your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, by the way, Jack... Is this car the Maxwell you used to talk so much about? No, no, Ronnie. During the war, I gave my Maxwell to the scrap drive. Oh, yes, and, and this is what they gave you in return? <laughs> well, no, no, you see... Rochester, there's a red light. I see it. <sighs> we made it, Ronnie. You can put your rabbit's foot away now. <laughs> You know, folks, I think oh, that... Mr. Benny, Mr. Benny, may I have your autograph, please? Why, certainly, of course. There you are. And you're Mary Livingston, aren't you? Yes, I am. And, oh, my goodness, this is a surprise. You are... Mr. and Mrs. Herman Schlagelmeyer. you were Roy Rogers. <laughs> Rochester, the light's green now. Yes, sir. Hurry, Rochester, start the car. We're holding up traffic. the motor. I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't frightened. I was thrown. <laughs> For goodness sake, Rochester, start the car. We're holding up everybody.
I can't understand why it acts like this. I've, I've done everything for this motor. Have you had it vaccinated for whooping cough? <laughs> Rochester, try it again. Hmm. Ronnie, Benita, would you mind getting out and helping us push? Get out and push! Mr. Benny, let me explain something to you. I didn't want to go to your broadcast. I didn't want to ride in your car. And as far as I'm concerned, oh, if darling, I never... look, we're stalled right in front of Rama's Chinese where they're showing the late George Apley. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go! <laughs> Well, the least he could do is come back and pick up the door. Come on, Mary, let's push. Jack will be back in just a moment, but first, here's Basil Rysdale. As you listen to the chant of the tobacco auctioneer, remember... L-S-M-F-T. American. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. So listen to the words of a man who really knows fine tobacco. Mr. Carl Hartfield of Greensburg, Kentucky. For 29 years, an independent tobacco buyer. He said, At auction after auction, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco. Ripe prime leaf. Tobacco that's got real smoking quality. I've smoked Luckies for over 28 years. Independent tobacco experts like Mr. Hartfield speak from their own experience. For over the years, they've seen the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. Yes, you'll always find... L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And this fine Lucky Strike tobacco means real deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. I want to take just a moment to tell all of our friends in Texas and New Orleans that we're leaving by plane tonight and we'll be with you in Galveston on Monday, Houston on Tuesday, and New Orleans on Wednesday to put on shows to raise money for the relief of the Texas City victims. I know you'll all give this your full support. Thank you very much. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Fan Wagon, starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris. A few minutes ago on the Jack Benny Show, you heard Jack and his cast leaving for a trip to Chicago and New York. To show you how this event affected Phil and Alice, let's go back about two weeks to a certain Saturday afternoon. Phil has just come home, and Alice meets him at the door. Hiya, baby. 
Well, start packing, kid. We're going to Chicago. Who's going to Chicago? Jack Benny. He's taking the show east in a couple of weeks, and me and the band are going along. Well, what's he taking you for? What do you mean? Jackson couldn't do without Harris. That old man needs me. Phil. Phil, Jack Benny needs you like a moose needs a hat rack. <laughs> Look, sister, if you're going to steal them, steal a good one. Well, Phil, if you're going east, I think you'd better go alone this time. Alone? But, Alice, uh, you went last year with me. That's just it. I'll never travel with those musicians of yours again. Well, what do you mean? We traveled in style. The Santa Fe gave the band a special car. I'll say they did. And they towed it 40 feet behind the rest of the train. <laughs> they were afraid your boys would contaminate the other passengers. Oh, they were not. They only did that because the coupling broke. And why did the tow rope have a rat guard in the middle? <laughs> That was Frankie crawling back to the club car. <laughs> the worst thing was when we pulled into Chicago, they unloaded our car at the stockyard. Well, it was closer to our hotel. <laughs> I was never so embarrassed in my life. A meat inspector opened the car door, looked in and yelled, Hey, Mac, here's a carload of dead ones. <laughs> Up until yesterday, Alice was still determined not to go east with Phil. But at 10 o'clock... The phone rang. Hello. Hello, darling. This is Emily Williams. Oh, how are you, Emily? Oh, just fine. Uh, Alice, I, uh, I saw in the paper that you and Phil are going east with a Benny show. Well, Phil is, Emily. I'm not going this time. My dear, you mean you're letting that weasel go to New York alone? <laughs> oh, I'm not worried about Phil. <laughs> Well, I said the same about my George. Then he went on that business trip to St. Louis. What happened? Well, you've heard the expression, let George do it. Yes. Well, darling, he did. <laughs> I don't know the details, but the Anheuser-Busch Brewery sent us a bill for $9,000. Thanks for calling, Emily, but I'm sure Phil will be all right. <laughs> Well, if I were you, I'd, uh, think it over, dear. I will, Emily. Goodbye. Hey, honey. Who was that you were talking to? Oh, nobody. Alice. Why are you looking at me like that? Nothing. I, I was just trying to remember what a weasel looks like. <laughs> well, it's a little animal with a pointed nose and has a... Alice, have you been listening to your mother again? <laughs> no, no, Phil. It's just that I've decided to go east with you. But look, honey, I can't get reservations and we're leaving tomorrow. Reservations? But, Phil, you have a compartment reserved on the train. I know that, but I'm sharing it with Frankie, my guitar player. Well, you'll just have to get a hold of him and make some other arrangements. Oh, honey, now listen to me. I can't throw Frankie out. He's mad at me already on account of you lousing up our fishing trip last week. <laughs> Now, if I tell him this, he's going to blow the top off. Well, what of it? Is he more important than I am? After all, I happen to be your wife and the mother of your children. I know, honey, but can you play guitar? <laughs> oh, get out of here.
Oh, hello, Julia. Just put them there on the table. Sure, Miss Faye. Oh, by the way, we won't be needing any more groceries for a while. No more groceries? Mm -mm. You see, I'm going away with the children. Reno, huh? <laughs> no. No, Julius, we're all going east for a month. Gee, Miss Faye, if you was ever to go away for good, you know what I'd do? I'd blow my top down at the store. Oh, Julius. Yeah, Miss Faye, I'd go berserk right in the middle of Rouse Market. <laughs> I can see myself now knocking over huge pyramids of Drano. <laughs> Salami. <laughs> and when it's all over, there I am, laying prostrate in a grisly pool. Of blood? No, blue bonnet margarine. <laughs> well, Julius, you shouldn't feel that way. I'll be back. Yeah, but gee, Miss Faye, I'm, I'm going to miss you something awful. These fleeting moments with you have meant everything to me. They have? Yeah. They've brought me real comfort and eased my suffering. Made it possible for me to walk through life happy and carefree. Oh, Julius, that's a beautiful thought. Yeah. I read it off a box of Dr. Scholl's foot pads. <laughs> well, you be a good boy, Julius. I'll see you when I get back. Goodbye. Farewell, soulmate. <laughs> Well, here's Frankie's apartment. I wonder if he's still mad at me. Oh, well. Here goes. Who is it? It's me, Frankie. Filthy. <laughs> Gee, he really holds a grudge, doesn't he? <laughs> Frankie, cut that out. You almost hit me. Now let me in there. What do you want? <laughs> Oh, come on, kid. You're not still sore at me, are you? Yes, I am. Oh, Frank, stop it. Come on, shake hands. No. <laughs> oh, look, Remley, don't be that way. We've been pals a long time. Now, let's shake on it. No. <laughs> Frankie, I got a bottle. <laughs> Frankie! Stop kissing me! I'm sorry, Curly, I was overcome. What's in the bottle? Clorox. <laughs> Good, I'll get the ginger ale. <laughs> now, you see what I mean? We always get a laugh together, don't we, kid? <laughs> now, you see, it would be awful if you and I ever split out. Don't be mad at me, gee whiz. We can't be mad at each other. We've been through too much together. Ah, yeah, Curly. I guess I was wrong thinking you'd done me dirt last week. What was it you wanted? Well, look, Frankie, it's about the trip. Now, you know the compartment we were sharing on the train tomorrow? Yeah. Well, well, I'm afraid Alice is going to have to be in there. Oh. Well, if it's all right with her, it's all right with me. <laughs> Look, Frankie, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to get out of there, pal. Pal? That's right. Now, look, I'm taking Alice and the children on the trip. Oh, brother, that train's going to be lousy with Harris's. <laughs> and that's about as lousy as you can get. 
Now stop that. I'm the leader. Me and my family are going to take that compartment, and that's that. But, Phil, what about me? How am I getting to Chicago? I've got you all taken care of. Here's your ticket. Let me see. This ticket good for one excursion trip to Yosemite National Park. <laughs> Yosemite? Sure. That's only a short walk to Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. They're both in Minnesota. Yeah. Phil sings his latest Victor Record release, Necessity. What is the curse that makes the universe so all-bewildering? What is the hoax that just provokes the folks they call God's children? What is the jinx that gives the body and his brother and everyone around the runaround? Everyone to run around. Everyone to run around. Necessity. Necessity, 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 that most unnecessary thing, necessity, how unnecessary, what throws a monkey wrench in, a fella's good intention, that nasty old invention, necessity. Brother, you so right My feet wanna dance in the sun My head wants to rest in the shade The Lord says go out and have fun But the landlord says Man, you rent ain't paid Necessity Necessity It's plain to see It's plain to see what a lovely old world this silly old world could be. World could be. But man, it's all in a mess. Account of necessity. Necessity. Well, keep right on a chopper. Necessity. Now, brothers, let me tell you. There ought to be a law against necessity. The jail would never been there, except for folks who'd sin there. Well, uh, well, uh, how did you get in there, Filzy? Necessity. Oh, life knocks your dreams for a loop. And love knocks you flat on your pan. And sin lands you right in the soup. Yes, but nothing knocks you harder than necessity. You mean he does? That's right, oh, brother. Necessity. There's nothing lower than less. Unless it's necessity. Necessity. How low can you get? Bodily exercise is important, and authorities agree it's just as important to exercise your scalp. 
The best way is by massage. The Fitch Company announces the new Fitch Scalp Massage Brush Combination for a limited time in the United States only at a tremendous savings to you. It's the famous scalp massage brush combination containing a rubber scalp massage brush scientifically designed with 86 flexible fingers to stimulate the blood supply. A six-ounce bottle of Fitch's new Quinoil Hair Tonic blended from five essential oils to keep your hair well-groomed and a six-ounce bottle of Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Use the massage brush with Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo for a reconditioning treatment that leaves your scalp invigorated, your hair clean and dandruff-free. Between shampoos, use the brush daily for a vigorous scalp massage. Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo completely removes dandruff at the first application under a money-back guarantee. This money-saving combination is available at your drug counters in a convenient carry-home package. A $1.60 value for only 99 cents. Ask for Fitch's Scalp Massage Brush Combination. <laughs> Phil and Alice spent most of Saturday getting ready for their trip east. We find them now, a few hours ago, in the living room, surrounded by assorted luggage. Well, I guess we've taken care of it. Phil, what on earth are you doing in your bathing suit? Well, look, honey, we got a couple of hours before the train leaves, and I thought I'd like to take a last-minute dip in the pool. Well, all right, but the man will be here to pick up the bags in a few minutes. Do you have everything packed? Yeah, kid, I got six suitcases full. I'm going to show up in Chicago like the Duchess of Windsor. <laughs> well, what were those clothes laid out in the bedroom yesterday? Oh, those. Oh, I cleaned out all of my closets. I sent everything I'm not taking on the trip to be dry cleaned. Well, look, Phil, before we go, I want to take the children over and say goodbye to Mother. So you better... Okay, honey, it's the door. I'll get it. Ah, uh, excuse me, Mr. Harry. <laughs> well, old Chicken Snyder, how's it going, Chick? <laughs> Well... Come on in. Thank you. See, you're all packed for your trip. Howdy, Miss Faye. That's a nice trunk you got there. <laughs> yeah, chicken. Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, you all packed and set to leave? Yeah, I finally got ready. I've been running around like a rooster that's been hit on the head with a wet corn cob. <laughs> Oh, are you going somewhere too, Mr. Snyder? Oh, I forgot to tell you, Alice, but look, seeing that Chicken is a newspaper man, I asked him to come along and handle the publicity for the band. Well, have you done that kind of work before, Chicken? Oh, uh, yeah, sure have, Miss Faye. For six years, I was the advance man for Jose Korkendorfer and his Mason City Gaucho. <laughs> Were they pretty good, Chicken? Good. <laughs> Couldn't be nothing else but good. <laughs> On trombone, we had Sliphorn Quibner and Zooty Huckle Knuckle on drums. Real farm boys they was, corn huskers, all of them. Corn huskers? Yeah, I'll never forget one jam session we had. Marmaduke Trut, he got to riffing and a jazzing on turkey in the straw, and before we could stop him, he'd shucked all the keys off of his clarinet. <laughs> Well, if you go to Chicago, Mr. Snyder, what about your job with the Encino News? Oh, they'll get along all right without me. You see, I, I handle the vital statistics column, and I fixed all that. I just went down and postponed all the births and marriages. 
Well, that's fine, chicken. Well, it's getting late. I'll see you down to train, folks. So long, chicken. See you there. Goodbye, Mr. Snyder. Afternoon, Miss Faye. <laughs> Look, honey, I'm going out and get my swim now, huh? All right. The children and I will go right to the station from Mother's. Okay, and then I'll call a taxi and I'll meet you down at the station. Hey, but what about the bags? Oh, you go on and take your swim. I won't leave till the express man comes. And, Phil, if you go in the pool, don't get your head wet. Why not? You know how it swelled up the last time. <laughs> Stop it, will you? I'll see you down at the station. Don't mind telling you In my humble fashion That you thrill me through with a tender passion When you said you care Imagine my emotion I swore then and there Permanent devotion You made all other boys seem blah Just you alone filled me with ah It's wonderful Marvelous, you should care for me. Oh, it's awful nice, paradise, what I love to see. You've made my life so glamorous, you can't blame me for feeling amorous. Oh, it's wonderful, marvelous, that you should care for me. There's nothing like a good swim. I'll miss that fool in Chicago. Hey, gosh, it's getting late. Well, I better get my suit out of the closet. Hey, that's funny. It's not here. Oh, well, maybe it's in this one. Gosh, that's empty, too. Now, where could I... Oh, my gosh, I packed everything in those suitcases and all of my other clothes are at the cleaners. Oh, Harris, you knuckle-headed joker, you. <laughs> Oh, well, it's not my fault. A beautiful creature like me is entitled to be a little stupid. <laughs> but I can't go down to the station in a bathing suit. Let me see what's in Alice's closet. <laughs> hmm, there's nothing in here but dresses. I might put this one on and... No, the neck's too low. <clears throat> <laughs>
Hey, here's an old ostrich feather fan of Alice's. Maybe if I held it like this and ran sideways. <laughs> no, that'll never do. It's too far to the station. Uh-oh, there's the taxi I ordered. Brother, what a spot to be in. Oh, I got it. I'll have the guy drive you to Frankie's, and then I'll borrow some clothes. But gee whiz, I can't wear just this bathing suit. I'll catch cold. I know what I'll do. I'll slip on this negligee of Alice's. <laughs> gee, it's a pretty thing, too. There. Are you the party that ordered the taxi? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, now look, driver, this is an emergency. Now, you'll have to hurry. Very well, madam. <laughs> Which hospital? I don't want to go to no hospital. Oh, please, lady, nothing like that. <laughs> look, Buster, I ain't no lady. I'm Phil Harris. I see. You want me to go to a Turkish bear? Don't be so funny. Get this hack going. I'll tell you where to go. Very well. Hurry it up. <laughs> Gee whiz, I hope Frank's home. I gotta get some clothes. Who is it? It's me, Frankie Philly. Beat it! Frankie, open up. What's wrong with you? Get away from here, you double-crosser. Double-crosser? Frankie, what's the matter? I just found out where Yosemite is. <laughs> it's 2,000 miles from Chicago. But, Frankie, it's downhill all the way. <laughs> Frankie, open it up, will you? I'm in trouble. Drop dead, leader. Frankie, now will you please... Uh-oh, here comes a woman down the hall. Frankie! Frankie! Frankie, let me in. There, there, dearie, don't go on like that. No man's worth it. <laughs> you keep your nose out of this. Hussy! <laughs> Frankie, Frankie, let me in. Please let me in. Daddy coming? Oh, I don't know, Alice, but I wish he'd get here. Mommy, Mr. Benny and everybody else went down to the train. I know, Phyllis. Wait till I get a hold of that father of yours, him and his last-minute swim. Now he keeps us waiting here for a half an hour, and the train's about to leave. Oh, it's times like this I wish I'd been nicer to Rudy Valley. <laughs> That's an old ad for Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> oh, dear, where is that man? Look at that funny-looking woman coming across the station. <laughs> oh, yes. Look at her. She's in her bare feet and wearing a negligee. Quiet, Phyllis. We shouldn't laugh at someone more unfortunate than we are. <laughs> Stop staring at her. 
But we've never seen a woman before whose arms drag on the ground. <laughs> Look, she's going to talk to us. Oh, dear. Madam, is there anything that I can... Ah! <laughs> Alice, quiet, it's me. Brother, Hotshot's done it again. <laughs> you keep quiet. Phil Harris, what on earth are you doing in a negligee in a bathing suit? Oh, it's a long story, honey. I'll explain it later. Let's get on the train. Phil, they won't let you on like that. Oh, yes, they will. Come on. There's the gate over there. This gate to the Santa Fe, Chief. Hold your own tickets, please. Here you are. Thank you. Here's mine, mister. Thank you, young lady. Here's mine, mister. Thank you, young lady. Here's mine, mister. Thank you, young... I'm sorry, but all livestock must be crated. Now, you wait a minute, bud. I ain't no livestock. Indeed. No, Conductor, this is my husband. Madam, you have my deepest sympathy. Look, Buster, I'm getting on that train and you ain't going to stop me, see? I'm sorry, sir. We're running a railroad, not a transportation system for squirrels. <laughs> that does it, wise guy. I'm going to bust you right square in the nose. Take this. Phil, get up. <laughs> People are staring. Well, Alice, just don't stand there. Have that man arrested. Arrested? Yes, the dirty coward hit a woman. <laughs> Well, honey, we're finally on the train and the children are all asleep. You want to go back to the club car? Don't you speak to me, Phil Harris. I was never so humiliated in my life, pushing you down the platform in that wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd have murdered that guy, only he hit me with the cow catcher off of the chief. Come on, honey, come on, let's go up to the club car. But, Phil, we can't. Why not? They're towing our car 40 feet behind the rest of the train again. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Almost everyone likes to do things the easy way, especially in maintaining hair health. That's why thousands are so enthusiastic about Fitch's rubber scalp massage brush. With its 86 flexible fingers, this handy massage brush provides a simple, more efficient way to stimulate scalp circulation. But it does even more. For when you use it with Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo, you actually have a reconditioning treatment that tones up your sluggish scalp, leaves your hair clean and dandruff-free. You get both the brush and Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo in the new Fitch scalp massage brush combination available for a limited time only. This offer also includes the new Fitch Quin Oil Hair Tonic, blended from five essential oils for perfect hair grooming. You get all three in the new Fitch scalp massage brush combination. First, the scalp massage brush. Second, a generous six-ounce bottle of Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo, guaranteed to remove dandruff. And third, a six-ounce bottle of the new Fitch Quin Oil hair tonic. A regular $1.60 value in a convenient carry-home package, only 99 cents. 
Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week in Chicago. Good night. Get the new Fitch Delft Massage Brush combination in the convenient carry-home package. A regular $1.60 value only, 99 cents. Contains one, a six-ounce Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo, two, a six-ounce quinoil hair tonic, three, a rubber scalp massage brush, all three, value $1.60, special price for limited time, only 99 cents. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1936-1937 season of the Jack Benny Show. Today's show has on it playing Andy Devine's father, actor Cliff Nazaro. Uh, and Cliff um, was famous especially for doing blackface in um, uh, a lot of the vaudeville at the time. And, um, and Jack, I think, had known him for many years at this point. And uh, he's a very famous actor, especially for vaudeville, but then also transferred over to movies and radio and so forth, and um, uh, so it's neat to hear him uh, on the show. Uh, also, this episode really starts focusing in a lot on, um, they really, um, Jack really liked to play up the uh, one uh, actor getting mad at another actor and then storming off the set and all of that sort of thing, uh, play it up in a humorous way, um, and this, they take it to a real extreme in this episode. Uh, with pretty much everybody getting mad at Jack, so so uh, it's it's just an interesting motif that he that he always came back to, um, and like I say, this episode takes it kind of to the extreme. But I guess if you think about it, it's a motif that they still use on sitcoms. It's it's been a um, continual thing where they like to have people get uh, angry with each other. I guess it's too. Uh, in a way, um, we know that 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 uh, people like drama, people like um, conflict, and there needs to be conflict to move a story. And so this is a way of taking conflict and bringing it into the comedy format. Um, I don't know if it's always successful, but um, but it certainly uh, does move along the plot. So anyway. Uh, see what you think about tonight's episode, and we will see you next time. J-E-L-L-O. The Jell-O program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with Hallelujah, Things Look Rosy Now. time to wake up and live. Swing into the new temple. Go places and do things. And you have much more time to go places and do things when you depend on Jell-O for dessert. For Jell-O so easy to make. No need to spend long hours preparing a complicated dessert. You can make Jell-O in a jiffy and it's bound to make a hit. For everybody goes for Jell-O's refreshing flavor in a big way. So serve Jell-O soon for dessert in any one of its six flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, or lime. But be sure you get the real thing, genuine Jell-O. For no other gelatin dessert has Jell-O's extra-rich fruit flavor. Order Jell-O tomorrow from your grocer. 
Ask for it by name and look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. Hey, Mary. Mary, come here. Don't you love the way Phil wiggles around when he leaves the orchestra? Look at him. Yeah, if he could only see himself. <laughs> he sure is cute, though, isn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't have to show off so much. After all, it isn't television. Jack, quiet. Your microphone's open. What? Everybody can hear you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Don, Don, I feel terrible about butting in like that. I hope I didn't spoil Phil's number there. Oh, that's all right, Jack. Nothing serious. Yeah, I hope so. That was Hallelujah, Things Look Rosy Now, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our... Hey, Jack, from now on, when I'm playing my opening number, I'd appreciate a little professional courtesy on your part. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Phil. I was thinking about something else, and I, I forgot that we were on the air. That's there. fine. If you don't listen to my music, how do you expect anyone else to? Please, fellas, please. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our genial master of ceremonies, a man... How would you like it if I started playing my band right in the middle of one of your jokes? Well, Phil, look, I said I was sorry. What more can I do? Gee, you'd think I committed a crime. Huh. Go ahead, Don. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our genial master of ceremonies, a man... A who... man who ought to keep his mouth shut. Now, wait a minute, Phil. Let's drop it. I said I was sorry. I apologize. Isn't that enough? No, I want to punch you in the nose. <laughs> oh, Jack, why don't you admit you were wrong and get it over with? <laughs> admit it? Well, what do you think I've been doing? All right, Phil, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There. Oh, trying to get smart about it, huh? Well, gee, even if, I, even if I did happen to say a few words during your number, what harm could it do? Did you ever butt in while Abe Lyman was playing a number? No. Jack's had that scar for years. Oh. <laughs> hey, what's going on here, anyway? Nothing, Don. I don't want to discuss it anymore. Just talk about something important. Oh, no, I suppose it's not important when you scream your head off during my entire number. <laughs> Phil, look, I've expressed my regrets. Now, let me tell some jokes, will you? Well, don't expect my orchestra to laugh. <laughs> oh. Don't worry, Jack. They laugh off-key, too. You said it. That <laughs> a girl, Mary. Now, let's go on with the program. All this nonsense here. Say, Don, have mm -hmm. you been playing much golf lately? I haven't seen you at the club all week. No, Jack, I've been uh, pretty busy the past few days. Well, we'll have to get together. Uh, how's your game these days, Don? I'm still in the low 90s. That's pretty good. I wish I could say the same. I demand an apology. <laughs> oh, what's the use? This is too much for me. Either. Oh, Jack, don't be so stubborn. Stubborn? Listen, Mary, I did apologize. Then why didn't you get a receipt? Now, look, fellas, let's get this straight. I know I was wrong when I interrupted Phil's number, but I admitted it, didn't I? See, besides, I'm not infallible. See, I'm entitled to one mistake. You already made that picture. <laughs> 
we're not discussing my picture. In the first place, Phil, I was only... I wasn't the only one talking. Mary chimed in, too. That's right, Tattletail. Drag me into this. Yeah, what about Don's commercial during your first number? He does that every week and you never complain. Well, that concerns our product. Uh. He's supposed to tell him about Jell-O's extra-rich flavor and that it tastes twice as good as ever before. Yes, but he doesn't have to bring up those big red letters on the box all the time. <laughs> See, everyone knows by now that it stands for genuine Jell-O. <laughs> Uh, you can go home now, Don. Hmm. Well, still, you pick on me. Hello, fellows. Oh, hello, hello Kenny. Kenny. Well, is everybody happy? No. Well, what's the matter? Oh, Jack's mad because he lost Phil's temper. <laughs> oh, that's silly. What happened, Phil? Well, right in the middle of my first number, Kenny, Jack started yelling and screaming and making a lot of noise. You'd think the building was coming down. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, it was nothing of the kind. Phil just made a mountain out of a molehill. He did? Where is it? <laughs> Look, Kenny, a mountain out of a molehill is just a proverb. Gee, I always say a stitch in time saves nine. Oh. Yeah. And I always say a rolling stone ought to bounce off Kenny's head. <laughs> and I always say there's no place like home, and I wish I was there. Anyway, keep out of this mess, Kenny. Will you, Phil, and I can handle this. Can't we, Phil? I can handle this and you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going out and get some air. Do you mind if I hold my breath during your next number? No, wait till I play a long one. Oh. Come on, play, boys. I suppose if I cough, I'll have to leave town. I come in now? Yes, baby. Hmm. That was Let's Get Together, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. Oh, Phil, there was a fly walking around during your number. Did it bother you? Well, no, as long as he wasn't wearing shoes. Oh. No, Phil, the only reason you start these things is because you think I'll get mad and give you back your watch. Why don't you? Well, I'd rather lose a cheap friend than a good watch. Oh. <laughs> hey! That was pretty clever, huh, Mary? I guess she isn't here. I am, too. Hmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> go away, Mary. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a tender and romantic playlet entitled In the Spring, Tra-La. <laughs> now, in this sketch... <laughs> Mary, what are you laughing at? Whoever heard of a fly wearing shoes? <laughs> yeah. I heard of a shoe fly. Quiet. <laughs> and now, as I was saying, in this sketch, I will play the part of a fly. I mean, a lover. A 
lover who flies home. I got that in right, huh? And finds that his sweetheart has flown. What is this? As the curtain rises, we find that... Come in. Oh, excuse me, is Mary Livingston here? Yes, but she's very busy right now. Why, Thelma Snodgrass of all people. Oh, hello, Mary. Mm, gee, I'm <laughs> glad to see you, Thelma. When did you get in town? Yesterday. Gee whiz, you haven't changed a bit. How's everybody back in Plainfield? Oh, just fine. And do you want to hear something, Mary? Hey, listen, girls, wait a minute. This is an old home week, you know. I... Oh, Thelma, I want you to meet Jack Benny. Hello. And you know what happened to me, Mary? Oh, you'll <laughs> You'll just die. Uh, what? Well, I went and got married. <laughs> Isn't that silly? <laughs> married? Yeah, and I'm out here on my honeymoon. <laughs> well, Thelma, I can't get over it. How did it happen? <laughs> well, I was running around with a lot of fellas, and one of them stopped, so I hooked them. <laughs> nice going. Bad stopping. Oh. oh, you'll like him, Mary. He looks a little like Clark Gable, <laughs> but not enough. <laughs> I want you to meet Jack Benny. Oh, this is my husband, Albert. Oh, hello, Albert. My name is Sam. Oh, Sam. Ah, oh, that's right. Albert got away. <laughs> well, Sam, it's a pleasure to meet you. How are you? Oh, he's fine, thank you. Hmm. And Sam, I hope your married life will be most successful and that you'll be very, very happy. Thanks. Ah, oh, we'll be happy if I have to break his neck. <laughs> Well, young man, you've got a nice future if you can take it. Oh, isn't he handsome, Mary? Oh, he sure is. Oh, Selma, stop, you darn fool. <laughs> Tell me, what business are you in, Mr., uh, Mr., uh... Plunk. <laughs> oh, uh, Clunk. Did somebody drop something? Penny. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what business are you in, Mr. Clunk? Oh, he's a milkman. Oh, you have a milk route, eh, Sam? But definitely. Oh, a regular wagon and everything. Oh, no, business isn't so good, so he just walks around with a cow. I see. Well, Sam and Thelma, I'd like to have you meet the rest of our little company. This is Don Wilson, Kenny Baker, and Phil Harris. Hello. How are you? Mmm, <laughs> I could go for how are you? <laughs> Why, sugar plum! Oh, don't you spoil my honeymoon. Well, I don't think it's nice. Quiet, you little one-cow dairy. Hey, hey, what's going on here? Sam, come here a minute, will you? Oh. Pardon us, girls. Now, listen, Sam, it, it's, uh, it's none of my business, but I hate to see a fellow like you get off on the wrong foot. Well, what do you mean? Well, I can see the way things are starting out, that Thelma's going to take charge of everything. She can't. The cow is in my name. <laughs> Well, I don't mean the cow. Well, what else is there? Listen, Sam. Look, take my advice. Put your foot down. Assert yourself. Begin right now and take control of things. Be the boss. Really? Sure. All right, I'll do it. Hey, Thelma. What? Hooey. Hat <laughs> up, boys. Why, Sam Clunk, I'd throw this ring right back in your face if I hadn't bought it. What are you trying to do, Jack Benny? Break up our home? Well, but I was only... Oh, Mary Livingston, are you going to let Jack spoil our honeymoon? Why, Jack, that's a fine way to treat my friend. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Well, but all I said... Jack, was... I don't like to interfere, but I think Mary is right. That's what I say. What? Yeah, why don't you mind your own business and not talk while I'm playing? <laughs> well, what did I do? Gee whiz, you think that I... Oh, I can't wait any longer. Sing, Kenny. <laughs> Give $10 to be in Alaska right now. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Leave us Eskimos alone. Oh! <laughs> 
From the blue, I seem to hear a voice repeating, this is the night, this is the night. You look at me, and I can see that you are silently entreating. to conceal all joy so Sweet you in the moonlight Sweet is the word for you Very good. You took it so nice and easy, and you handled it with finesse. That was sweet as the word for you, sung by Kenny Baker in his usual fine voice. Well, what's usual about it? <laughs> well, I, I mean that it's, uh... Well, I think my voice is very unusual. Well, so do I, Kenny. All I meant was that you're consistent. Well, why don't you say what you mean? I'm talking to Kenny. <laughs> Well, listen here. If you think you can talk to me like you do to Phil Harris, I'm going home. Wait a minute. What is this? Mutiny? Now, look here, Kenny. I don't want to have trouble with you, too. And as far as I'm concerned, you can go home. All right. Hello, Ma. Put my supper on. <laughs> now, go on home. Who needs you? It's gone, Jack. Hmm, I should worry. It's Gabibble. 
Well, what about our play, Jack? Aren't we going to do it? No, I'm in no mood for a play. Gee, everybody picking on you all night. Kenny's gone home, feels sore. Things look pretty black, believe me. Uh, then let's do a minstrel show. That didn't help me either. <laughs> well, Jack, I don't know why Kenny got mad. After all, you didn't talk during his number. Are you going to start that again? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Don't jump on me again, or I'll have my drummer play a solo on your nose. Now, look here, Phil. I'm not going to stand much more of it. <laughs> Every night, same thing. <laughs> so if you want to catch the same streetcar with Kenny, it's okay with me. That suits me fine. Yes. Listen, men, you can do the next number alone, and if Benny makes any cracks while I'm gone, just let me know. Okay, boss. Isn't even safe to talk behind a man's back anymore. Say, Mary. Yes, Selma. What makes Jack act so grouchy? Uh, he's teething. <laughs> teething? Yeah, they keep slipping out. <laughs> oh. Uh, say, Selma. What? Where are you and Sam living? Oh, a swell place. Auto camp number nine. <laughs> Gee, why don't you come over and visit us, Mary? Oh, I'd love to. Say, Jack, do you mind if I go over to Thelma's? There's nothing going on here anyway. No, we still have a show to do. Some show. Yeah. I get more laughs out of our cow. Yeah, now listen, young lady, I've heard enough about your cow. Say, keep our cow out of this. What about me? I meant you. Oh, <laughs> oh Jack, let me go, will you? Go ahead and take those cottage cheese peddlers with you. <laughs> All right, kids, let's go. Come on, Joe. Oh, my name is Sam. Yeah, oh. we'll take Joe along, too. <laughs> you know, Mary... I'm awfully sorry I came up here tonight. Why? Well, ever since I saw Phil Harris, Sam looks different. <laughs> well, you still have the cow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Goodbye, Jack. Goodbye, Jack. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, homewrecker. Fine couple. I bet they put water in that milk they sell. Is water poison? Get out of here. <laughs> oh, boy, what a night. Well, Don, you can go, too, if you want to know. You're hanging around an old crab like me. But, Jack, what about the program? Oh, I'll take care of that. Don't worry. As long as I have me, we'll get along. Okay. Okay, Jack. See you next Sunday. Bye. Hmm. Hey, me, I don't need anybody to help me out. Say... After all, I wasn't in vaudeville 15 years for nothing. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Plenty of things I can do. Since I was a star for years. I don't know what... <laughs> oh, pardon me, folks. There's the phone. Hello? Hello? Hiya, Buck! Oh, hello, Andy. Where are you? I'm home listening to you. Say, Buck, as long as you're all alone, why don't you come over to our ranch? I'm sitting around here with Ma and Pa, and they'd love to meet you. Oh, Andy, I, I don't feel like going anyplace tonight. I don't feel good. I... Oh, come on over, Buck. We'll cheer you up. Okay, Andy, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I can stand a few smiles for a change. I'll be right over. Oh, say, Andy, I know what street you live on, but I... 
Forgot which house. How'll I find it? I'll have my hired man laying in the road. <laughs> well, won't he get run over? No, he's got a nose like a lantern. <laughs> okay, Andy, I'll, I'll be right over. So long. Well, hmm, at least there's one place I'm welcome. Hey, boys, play something. I'm going over to Andy Devine. <laughs> Looks like the place. Sure glad Andy asked me over. Who's there? It's me, Andy, Jack Benny. What do you want? <laughs> what do I want? You invited me over here, didn't you? That's right. Come on in. <laughs> glad to see you, Buck. Yeah, I feel better already. Well, well, you got a nice house here, Andy. You should have seen it when it had a roof on it. That's right, the roof is missing. What do you do when it rains? I sleep on my stomach. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm sure glad you invited me over. Gee, I felt kind of rotten tonight. If I ever needed a little cheering up, this is the time, you know. Uh, Buck, I want you to meet my folks. This is Paul. Mr. Devine, it's a pleasure. Glad to know you, son. <laughs> Mom? And, Ma, I want you to meet Buck Benny. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Devine? Hmm. If he's a cowboy, I'm Gene Harlow. <laughs> Your mother has a sense of humor. And this is my little brother, Tutu. Oh, Tutu Devine. <laughs> nice boy. Make yourself to home, Mr. Benny, and sit down. Thank you. Thank Not you. there, Buck. Not there. Buck, that's a pig. Oh, I thought it was a rocking chair. <laughs> we did, too, till it bit us. <laughs> oh, I nearly forgot, Mrs. Devine. I, I brought you a box of candy. Candy? What's that? Oh, you know, Mom. Sweet stuff. Well, who wants that? The house is full of ants already. 
No, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Next time I'll bring flowers. Don't bring no flowers around here. I got hay fever. <laughs> well, really, I didn't know what to bring. I just... Well, didn't... why didn't you bring jello? Ain't you got no loyalty? Well, I never thought of that. I... It's a fine spirit. What are you getting paid for? Oh, come on now, Paul. <laughs> oh, Paul, let him alone. Want something to eat, Buck? No, but I am a little thirsty. No, but I am a little thirsty. Okay, I'll draw you a bucket of water right out of the well. No, you don't, Andy. It'll disturb the duck. <laughs> oh, well, don't bother. We got some nice homemade Applejack. Care for that? Fine. Is it very strong? Strong? We gave some to our cat, and she got a job with Clyde Beatty. <laughs> Well, then I better not take any. I don't like those cages, you know. You know, Mr. Benny, we was listening to your program tonight before you got here. Oh, yes? How did you like it? We like music, and I think it's a shame the way you interrupted that orchestra. Well, it was purely accidental, Mr. Accidental? Martin. I'm surprised anybody can get along with you. Well, but the whole thing was If just... I was Phil Harris, I'd give you a good thrashing. <laughs> oh, come on now, Paul. Cut it out. Don't stick up for him, Andy. He kicks you around, too. Only you're too dumb to notice it. Now, Andy, you know I've always treated you with the greatest of respect. I don't know, Buck. You make fun of my voice, don't you? Well, it's just a gag, that's all. And you laugh at my singing? But, Andy, I... I demand an apology! <laughs> Please, I thought you said everything was so nice and quiet around here. You think this is noisy? Well, wait till we start to eat. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm not a bit hungry. Oh, so our food ain't good enough for you, eh? I didn't say that. That's an insult. Now, my folks kind of sensitive, Buck. You better change your mind. All right, I'll stay for supper. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> Gee, Andy, what'll I do now? Don't ask me. I ain't the voice of experience. <laughs> well, well, Andy, it was nice of you to invite me over, but really, I don't feel very good. I'm very cheered up. I'm kind of tired, and I want to go home. Huh? Oh, come on. Stick around, Buck. Let him go. And don't slam the door. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, boy, what a night this was. I'm sure glad it's over. Wow. Oh! What's the matter, Buck? I fell halfway down the steps. Well, keep on rolling. There's some liniment at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> Here's a grand menu suggestion everybody in the family will like a lot. Yes, I'd be willing to bet that all of you will be mighty fond of ice cream. Well, you can get the finest old-fashioned homemade kind when you make your ice cream with Jell-O ice cream powder. It's the creamiest, richest, most delicious homemade ice cream you ever tasted. Made more easily, more quickly, and more economically than ever before. You actually use less cream and get more ice cream. Just mix together a package of Jell-O ice cream powder, sugar, milk, and cream, and soon you'll have a quart and a half of silky, smooth, rich ice cream. You can make it right in the freezing trays of your refrigerator, or if you prefer, in an ordinary hand freezer. And the Jell-O ice cream powder makes twice as much ice cream as most other ice cream preparations on the market. So ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O ice cream powder. 
Well, I'm home now, folks. Before I go to bed, I just want to say that it was the last number of the 30th program in the new Jello series. We're with you again next Sunday night at the same time when we bring you our special anniversary program marking my fifth year on the air. So we hope you will all be with us. I also want to thank Jesse Block and Eva Sully for their very clever portrayals of the newly married couple on tonight's program. Weren't they swell, folks? <laughs> well, guess I'll go on along to bed now. Good night, folks. Los Angeles, Earl C. Anthony, Incorporated. <laughs>